listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll hear from a transit advocate about how the coronavirus pandemic has only underscored how crucial public transportation is and what else it's revealed about our transit system. We depend on these essential workers to get to their jobs in healthcare, to clean the hospitals, to, you know, to take care of uh, patients, to be the lab techs, to um, be the grocery stockers, to all the, all the different essential work that we now recognize as essential to keep our society going. And if they're dependent on transit, that means we're all dependent on transit. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. Muni is down to just a core system of buses with no rail lines in service. But thousands of people still ride every day. Kat Carter, Interim Executive Director of the San Francisco Transit Riders, hasn't herself been on Muni in months, but she and others in the organization have kept busy. We talked about some of the work the Transit Riders have been doing to distribute masks and about the future of Muni in light of the coronavirus pandemic. I'll start broadly. What is it like to be part of a transit riders organization when you are not riding transit because there's barely any transit to ride? (laughs) Um, It's uh, it's definitely been challenging to figure out how to do our work when I, um, under normal circumstances, I'm commuting on Muni and sometimes Muni plus BART. So that's two trips a day, Monday through Friday. And then I often also usually ride around on weekends to do things and see friends and get around. And often during the week, I'm, you know, also going to meetings or whatever. And so I might take three or four trips in a day. And so I'm always on transit under normal circumstances. And I have not been on transit now for 12 weeks. So that is feeling very disconnected from what's going on on the streets. And also figuring out how best to support transit and transit riders and transit operators during this really difficult time, what is needed where, and again, uh, without having sort of the tactile (laughs) interaction with it on a regular basis, it's hard to know and hard to see. We have gotten out on the street to give masks to riders, and that has been very gratifying to talk to people. It's also been great to see how much compliance we're seeing that most people do have masks. And also just seeing how we've been on frequent routes that are running. It looks like the 14, 14R and 49 are all running sort of normal frequencies. So they're coming all the time, which is great. And we've seen uh, good social distancing on them. There hasn't been a ton of people on them. And it's not just that I'm not riding transit because there isn't much to ride, but because I want to leave space for the people that need it um, to make sure they can maintain that social distancing. Yeah. Yeah. What have you been hearing from muni operators about running this system during the pandemic? I I spoke with a muni operator a while back um, and he told me that social distancing was very much a challenge on some of these buses. Some of them, yes. And especially in the beginning, it was very chaotic. And, you know, it will be because it's a crisis. (laughs) So you're working under emergency situation. And um, as the shelter in place happened and more operators couldn't come to work because they had to take care of their kids who were now out of school or take care of family members or take care of themselves or self-isolate out of an abundance of caution. Suddenly there weren't enough operators to operate the system. And so there was all, there were a lot of problems with crowding in those early, early days. But as you know, they 
eliminated a bunch of the roots. One of the sort of best news stories, and I don't remember exactly what date this was, but the date when they said they were actually bringing back some roots and, and increasing frequency was like one of the best days in the past couple months for me because it meant that operators were coming back, people were healthy enough, people felt safe enough. Just It was a good sign of, of hope for me. So I've heard different things from operators. We did a, a little webinar with a few operators. It was great to hear about their sort of frontline experience. There have been challenges, obviously, with should we collect fares or not at the front of the bus? Because mm-hmm. if you collect fares, then you get too close to the operators. Muni responded very quickly by taking all the vehicles out of service that didn't have the plexiglass barriers. So to protect the operators, that was really good. And I don't know how to, like everybody responds to a crisis differently, right? So some operators are eager to get out there and want to do their job and want to help people and make sure people can move around. Other operators feel more scared and don't feel as safe. And so we wanted to show them some support and help get them cloth reusable masks. So we did a whole a whole campaign to do that. And they were super appreciative. And so it's, it's been great to develop better relationships with the operators for us. It's been an opportunity for us to show them support and to and camaraderie and how do we get through this together. Roughly what time were you doing the, the mask handouts during? I mean, I, I understand you were doing a campaign both for reusable cloth, ma- cloth masks for operators and then also you were handing out masks to passengers. What, about when was this? And, and at the time... What was the situation like in terms of compliance with with face masks and the ability to comply? I mean, not everybody had masks. It's not like overnight everybody could just like right. Open up. Yeah, I wish we had gotten out uh, earlier. It was not easy as every, everybody's having trouble getting masks, right? Right. Like, I don't know when that was. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to look at my calendar or something. Scroll time has no meaning my... anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, time time has zero meaning. So I want to say it was like the maybe the last week or two in April, Mm -hmm. last week in April, somewhere in there that we started getting uh, cloth masks. We were getting them donated by Auntie Sewing Squad and, you know, other sort of like volunteer mask makers um, was great. And then we were able to raise funds from our membership to purchase cloth masks from a local t-shirt manufacturer. So help, like they've, you know, switched from t-shirts to masks. So help keep them in business and employed. That was the ultimate situation for me is I didn't want to take up volunteer bandwidth that like those masks could go somewhere else. I wanted to be able to see if we could support local local business, local employment and get masks to operators. So that like that worked out very well. And so we got them another thousand of those. So we got them something like twelve hundred something masks total of cloth masks to operators. We probably delivered the thousand cloth masks the first week in May or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then around that time, I also just was buying, finding um, paper masks just to buy online. And we went out and hit a few different places. We did Mission in 24th. We did Gary and Divisadero. We did Silver and San Bruno. But actually, there was a woman at Silver and San Bruno selling cloth masks. So we decided oh. not not to interfere with her <laughs> enterprise. Yep. Um, and I am waiting for a delivery right now of a thousand more paper masks for us to give out to riders. So we're still going to be going out and doing that because things are opening up and more people are getting out and not everybody has a mask. I know that SFPD was giving out some masks too. I would hope as we get more sort of organized about this and the city figures out supply chains better that like we could have masks available for those who need it. You know, I mean, everybody should have their own mask, but people shouldn't be kept off Muni because they don't have a mask, but also we don't want people riding Muni without masks. 
the Transit Writers has written recently about how crucial Muni is, especially in a crisis. You wrote more than 100,000 people in San Francisco still rely on transit every day and across the Bay Area. 31% of usual transit ridership is what we now know as essential workers. Yeah. <laughs> so what what does this really highlight for you? I mean, wow, more than 100,000 people still riding Muni. It's not a new number anymore at this point, but it is still pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it it um it's horrible and tragic that it's taken a pandemic to get to this, but sort of the silver lining of how we want to structure our society going forward. There's so many things that we have learned from this pandemic about the importance of things like universal health care and the importance of things like paid time off and paid family leave to keep people safe, to pe- keep people healthy and to keep people at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to keep them from not starving and not losing their homes. There, there's a lot of sort of the, the safety net and the way that we should keep take care of each other as a society that we're really seeing why those things are really important. We're seeing that uh, I think in a lot more like black and white right now. And the same goes for transit is that we depend on these essential workers to get to their jobs in healthcare, to clean the hospitals, to, you know, to take care of patients, to be the lab techs, to be the grocery stockers, to all the different essential work that we now recognize as essential to keep our society going. And if they're dependent on transit, that means we're all dependent on transit. We have to, we so often have to fight for funding for transit, for support for transit, to make sure that transit is prioritized in our, in our city. And it just, it makes it so clear to me that like, if we really think these essential workers are our essential workers that are keeping our society going and they're the heroes, then transit is the hero that keeps it going. Right. And I'm glad that you brought up the issue of funding because the crisis means budget worries. And as this post from the transit writers points out, in the recently approved SFMTA budget, riders were asked to pick between increased fares or decreased service. And unless changes are made, riders will face the same choice again in two years during the next budget cycle. The conclusion was we need to change the way that public transit is funded. How would you like to see that change? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of ideas. There's a million ideas out there. Uh, and uh, we're actually, we are going to be starting a campaign uh, for better transit funding. And it's going to be a long-term campaign because transit funding is a huge, messy topic. As some people know, <laughs> as I'm still learning, I've been in this job for like it, working for transit riders for four years now, and I am still learning every day. Um, there is so much to learn about how all this works. So there is capital funding, which is all your projects and buying buses and buying trains and laying tracks and, you know, train signal systems and stuff like that. And those capital things are often funded by state or federal uh, funds that you have to sort of compete for. And then the operating, the keeping the driver, hiring drivers, and we know we've had an operator shortage now for a long time. Hiring those operators depends on fares. Muni and Muni is fortunate in that it does get a pretty significant chunk of money from the city's general fund, but that is sales tax dependent. And obviously sales taxes are going to be taking a hit uh, with whatever recession is coming. And 
Muni is more fortunate than, say, BART or Caltrain, which depend much more on fares. Um, so they don't have uh, as much of a cushion as Muni does. But still, um, if we want to, look, before COVID, the budget was structured carefully in such a way that it would finally address the operator shortage over the next year and a half. So it was still going to take a while to get to sort of full, to, to make the schedule whole, to get the service to be whole before we could even talk about service increases that we want, like the, the 29 Sunset Rapid service that we were advocating for. That was already going to take a while. And now with fares taking a hit and sales tax taking a hit, um, are we going to be able to provide even, you know, the, the service that we wanted to, or even the service that we had, you know, as of February, we don't know. Again, if we think that essential workers, those workers are essential and they're dependent on transit, we're all dependent on transit, they should they should get the transit service that they need to get to their jobs without it being fare dependent whether or not the bus can come. So we need to figure out a way to spread that cost throughout the city and throughout the region, that it is a it is a public good for everybody like water and electricity and cell service and whatever else, it's a utility, it needs to be there for everybody. There are a lot of different funding mechanisms we could do. We could go to sales tax, but that's also considered you know, regressive. Um, it hits lower income people harder. Is there a way we could do a city income tax that would involve a state level um, legislation, I believe. And then there's all, all sorts of other ideas about how to you know, parcel taxes or I don't know, like different ideas or like a transit benefit district where you know, if we all benefit from transit, we should all pay in a little bit more. And I think that's sort of related to parcel tax. So there's a ton of different ways that we could raise more funds for Muni. And um, we're all for a fare freeze, but we don't want to see service suffer because if service suffers and people can't get to where they need to go. So we need to find other places to get the money from. We'll get back to this conversation with Kat Carter in just a moment. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. KSFP and the San Francisco Public Press are supported by listeners like you. Learn more about our membership program and join the public press at sfpublicpress.org slash donate. You can make a donation online or send a check to the San Francisco Public Press, 44 Page Street, Suite 504, San Francisco, California, 94102. Thank you, and thanks to the hundreds of other public press members who have made our work possible for 10 years. Let's hear more from Kat Carter, Interim Executive Director of the San Francisco Transit Riders, about how Muni has been affected by the pandemic and what might happen next. To me, this calls to mind the last conversation that we had where one of the things we talked about was 30 by 30, which is a a campaign, essentially, that the transit writers have been working on for a long time. Can you briefly explain what it is and what is going to happen to that campaign given the new budget and coronavirus reality? So 30 by 30, I'm so glad you asked, Uh, 30 by 30. Um, 30 by 30 is a uh, is a campaign to uh, develop a better network of rapid muni service that crisscrosses the city for, and travels from end to end in 30 minutes by 2030. So right now we have a series of rapid routes that um, allegedly includes all our light rail lines, which we all know are slow and and irregular and infrequent. Um, and then we have sort of radio lines heading downtown. We have the 14 rapid, the... Um, the five rapid, the 38 rapid, the nine rapid. Um, so, and then the 28 rapid. But 
um, if we had a real grid of frequent, reliable service uh, connect that would really actually connect all the neighborhoods and it would make it would make transfers possible. Right now, nobody wants to transfer. Everybody wants a one seat ride because if you try to transfer it, add, it can add 10, 20, half an hour, 30 minutes to your to your trip because things are too unreliable or too infrequent. And so if you have that real grid network that really connects all the neighborhoods with frequent service, then you can actually get to more neighborhoods uh, a lot quicker. And so uh, we've started this campaign a year and a half ago now, and we were successful in pushing for uh, Muni to start considering the 29 Sunset Rapid, for example. Um, and uh, we were going to be starting to work on the 22 Rapid, but that's sort of been put on hold because of coronavirus and the construction uh, that's put on hold. But anyway, so we, we were you know, looking at ways to make better connections with frequent, fast, reliable service. It's almost like under coronavirus, it's like proof of concept for 30 by 30. Um, mm. Because one of the key things to make Muni fast and reliable, you need to get it out of traffic. And to get it out of traffic, you need to give it red lanes, transit only lanes. You need to give it signal priority. So it, it, it goes through signals and only stops. The dream is to have the bus only stop when it has to pick up passengers. So it shouldn't be stuck in traffic and it shouldn't be stuck at, at traffic lights and all that. What they have found, while all the traffic was gone off the streets, they found that the, the routes that have those treatments, that transit priority treatment, uh, um, have not sped up appreciably when traffic went away. They've wow. seen huge improvements in travel time on routes that haven't been prioritized yet. Huh. Um like 15% faster across the system. They have, they just released a blog, SFMTA blog, um, with this great map in it that shows bus routes, like sections of the 28 are 50% faster now. So you could have fast, reliable, frequent service if you have transit priority. And that's sort of what 30 by 30 is all about. And the other thing is that we realize that, especially we don't know what's gonna happen with downtown workers and like the downtown commute. But there's a lot of crosstown trips that need to happen, like, you know, from from east to west, from north to south, that don't all radiate to downtown sort of thing. So it's not like the commuter model is not necessarily what's useful as we reopen and for essential workers now and all that sort of stuff. So that sort of speaks to that grid plan that, that 30 by 30 references. Mm -hmm. So I sort of feel like like this is this is what 30 by 30 could could bring us and so we we will continue to fight for 30 by 30 um one of the great things about travel time savings like when you have those buses can go so much faster you don't need to use as many buses to provide the same level of service because they're not stuck in traffic muni wastes a ton of money on providing service in traffic congestion they have to add buses to routes and add trains to routes before COVID. They'd had to add service to keep the vehicles coming frequently enough to provide the service. So it's it, it's expensive for them to provide service in traffic. So if we want them to save money, and we obviously are dealing with budget issues right now, giving them priority means they can provide more service with less money and that more service can obviously help with social distancing and all the rest of it. Um, it's a, you know, it's a health issue. It's a public health issue. It's a public safety issue. We will continue to be advocating for the best transit priority we can get. 
So I, it seems to me from what I've seen SFMTA director Jeffrey Tumlin say that congestion is the big looming immediate problem because congestion is starting to pick back up again. People are getting back in their cars again, but yep. we are still in the era of coronavirus and we are still, you know, having reduced muni service overall. You kind of already answered this, but I guess maybe just, you know, if you have any additional thoughts, I'd love to hear them. What can be done to mitigate the impacts of increasing congestion, rapidly increasing congestion at this time of crisis at this point? It's a really thorny issue, actually. I mean, one of the things we want to see is we want to see some radical transit priority put in place now before the traffic really comes back. Um, radical transit priority as opposed to normal <laughs> transit so priority. My goals in life is to fix the T. <laughs> oh. This is this is like like I used to ride the 15 bus that the T replaced and um the 15 bus I didn't think was particularly great. It was crowded, it was infrequent, it was unreliable, it was slow. And the T is considered to be worse. And people are now clamoring for the 15 bus to come back. And I think like, you know, maybe some sort of a bus could come back that could help. Like, the, the Southeast corner of our city needs a lot more transit access. So maybe uh, some sort of a bus overlay makes some sense. But with all the money that we've invested in the T, like let's make the T work. So one of the bottlenecks of the T is the 4th Street Bridge, just right next to the ballpark there. And it's in mixed traffic with cars. And during rush hour, and especially if there's a game or anything going on, and especially now with two sports arenas in the area, I have personally sat on the 4th Street Bridge on a T train for 20 minutes um, on a Wednesday rush hour right before a game. And you can't get off. (laughs) You can't do anything. You're just stuck until it goes. And there's a lot of issues there with transit priority and it's just stuck in traffic. Um, So one of the radical transit priority things I would like to see is let's get cars off 4th Street Bridge, at least on that northbound lane where it it, uh, shares a lane with with the T. So that would be considered fairly radical. But they just redid the 3rd Street Bridge. So it should be lovely for all the cars to go over there. And, you know, cars can reroute, trains can't. Right. So, um, yeah, so I would like to see some of that stuff happen like ASAP. I don't know how realistic that is, but we'll be pushing for it. The other thing that we have to start talking about is how do we get people back on Muni? And as always, public transit reflects the city that it's in. So public transit can only be as safe as the rest of the city. So if we have infection surges in the city, that's going to show up on public transit too. But places like Japan have shown that they can have crush loads on trains and not have an infection surge. Public transit is not inherently dangerous. We need to make sure people are wearing masks. Muni is doing a fantastic job of being very diligent about cleaning uh, buses um, between shifts. So so a, a driver gets a clean bus. So every shift, a driver gets a clean bus. This is actually limited service in some ways because they can't just do the mid line the mid route shift change they have to take the bus all the way back to the yard and clean it before it can go out again anyway so they've they're doing some great stuff with that and now they're working on figuring out how to do cleaning in the field so that they can have more flexibility in service and, and bring back more service they are looking at ways to bring back service and and increasing frequency on core routes and starting to bring back other routes like they're, they're planning that out and i think we're going to learn a lot more about that at the mta board meeting on tuesday we have to make sure that everybody's wearing masks. We have to make sure that it's clean and we make sure, have to make sure that people start feeling safer on Muni. I think the whole scare about public transit is where all the infections are going to happen is not accurate. 
but we do need to think about that in a larger context of how the infection rates are going in the larger city. Can't solve everything in a vacuum. And one actually, one more note on that, because you just get me going. <laughs> uh, one more note on that. The CDC, unfortunately, just released some guidelines that don't look like the guidelines that they, that were allegedly leaked, whatever, a few weeks ago. And one of the guidelines they have put out is that they want employers to encourage people to drive in their cars mm. uh, to stay safe. And I don't think that's science-based, and I don't think that's safe. We have all the crashes caused by cars. We have all the pollution caused by cars. My asthma is so much better without all the traffic that we've had. So like I felt a difference and I know other friends with asthma have too, that cars cause pollution and they cause their own health problems. So I think it's, I think it's a false narrative to say that transit is the problem. One other thing that Jeff Tumlin pointed out that I found interesting and that I wanted to get your reaction to was that the COVID situation has definitely devastated service, but buses are more reliable than ever. He said partly it's time savings because there's no congestion, which we talked about, but it's also headway management. And he said passengers don't care if the schedule says a bus comes every nine or 12 minutes, but they do care if two buses show up followed by a 20 minute gap. And headway management allows us to provide the best and most resilient service in an unpredictable time. First of all, do you agree that passengers don't care what the schedule says, but do care about what's known as ghost buses when a scheduled bus doesn't appear? Yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) It really depends on what kind of a rider you are. A rider like me that goes out at nine or 10 in the morning and I live on like right off Mission Street and I can take any one of three buses that come every several minutes I don't really care what the schedule says. You know, I know and I live on a street that has been treated with transit priority and uh, there's a lot of frequency um, and I'm hugely fortunate. It wasn't like that when I moved here and before we had the red lanes, <laughs> but um, but it's like that now. And so I'm, I'm hugely fortunate. A gentleman who lives in my neighborhood who is a janitor and starts work at some, you know, oh, dark 30 or whatever in the morning he counts on a scheduled bus showing up at a certain time. And when it doesn't, that messes up his day. So I think headway management is awesome. I know that SFMD has been talking about it for a while. They've been working on how to implement it. And sort of this crisis has forced them to innovate and just jump in and do it, which I think is awesome. Um, and, And I think that it will improve service overall going forward. I do think that when you're dealing with less frequent buses, when you're dealing with buses that only come every 20 minutes, people do depend on the schedules a little bit more. We do still need to report, like SFMTA still needs to report its performance based on the schedules, which is sort of appropriate because another way to think about it with headways is the route might only be as good as the slowest driver. (laughs) So so you you can end up with some unintended consequences of headways as well. But I think it's awesome that they have been nimble enough to jump in and and try it and be willing to try it and take that risk. I know it's been a lot of hard work for the staff at SFMTA. It's been sort of manual and difficult. And uh, one of the side effects of our operator shortage is that we don't have enough supervisors either to really manage the lines that well. And that was part of the plan for uh, addressing the operator shortage pre-COVID. I'm excited that they're trying it and innovating, but as we come back, there'll have to be some sort of a blend of headway and schedule management, and hopefully they can do a better job of of balancing those. Yeah. 
We're starting to run out of time here, but I wanted to ask this. Just you personally, how are you feeling about the future of Muni? Ah, I miss Muni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I keep debating every day. Am I ready to ride again? Do I feel confident enough to ride again? And I'm not quite there yet. And again, I want to leave space for others. I'm feeling confident. Actually, I'm a sort of eternal optimist. And I think that if we learn the right lessons from this time and and really take advantage of those lessons and take advantage of there's a, a, a growing support for public transit among definitely younger people that's been talked about a lot. I think a lot of those people are activated now and want to make a difference and want to make the world a better place. And I think transit is obviously key to that. And I, so I think there's a lot of support there. So if we take advantage of the moment to rebuild it smarter and better than it ever was, I think we we can do a lot. I think if we work with the people that want free muni and all that, and if we work with them on finding better funding sources that we could you know, work towards that. We, you know, all of these things, getting transit priority happening. We're really seeing the benefits of what transit uh, does for society right now. And so I think if we build on that, we could build a strong future for Muni. Kat, thanks so much. <laughs> right on. Thank you. That was Kat Carter, Interim Executive Director of the San Francisco Transit Riders. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic. 